play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. G'day and welcome to the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Maddie C. I'm a former Astros wide receiver and actually founder of the little league, which this show is about. Astros Gridiron ran from the mid-90s right through till 2011 when we wrapped up playing footy. But around about that time, I started this fantasy football league. And 11 seasons deep now, we are a 16-team fantasy football league. I've had to evolve the scoring over time just to make it work with that many teams. But the other cool thing is we're 100% Aussies playing from Australia. I think it makes us a bit of a unicorn, you know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. We are at Astro League Podcast. And you can also find us newly on Twitter at Astro League Pod. I've said this in the first episode in this little pairing that I don't think there's an off-season. The NFL goes in off-season, but I don't think we have one. If you've been with me, we've gone deep into some real discussions that really should be presented to fantasy football players through February because a lot of us do play in long formats like Dynasty Leagues. Now, I said this in the previous episode too, but if you haven't had a crack at this and you're not somebody who's played long format leagues, maybe it's worth checking out. I was talking to our former champion of the Astro League, Marky Mark, way back around New Year, around, well, what are the differences between a standard season long league that just runs while the NFL season's happening versus a league where you then have a lot of off-season decisions to make and you keep the majority of your roster from one year to the next. They're called Dynasty Leagues, and Marky Mark gave us a great look at how they differ. Then, about a month later, I had my favorite Kiwi American, Evan, who stopped by for a couple of shows too to talk a bit more in depth about the Dynasty strategy a little bit more about what it's like to have to handle rookie draft picks. And then today, we're going to continue that journey. So, like in the episode we had on Tuesday, we've been talking about the latest wave of NFL-ready players that are coming in ostensibly from the NCAA college system. We call them rookies. And a rookie, for those who didn't catch this on the previous episode, is somebody who's having their first season in the NFL. This is their first year as a pro. Who are they? Actually, Evan went into a great bunch of quarterback and running back players that are available to draft with this year's rookie draft picks. And today, we're going to go into a great bunch of wide receivers and a tight end or two. Why do they matter? Well, in Dynasty League football, they are really the best way to build your team from year to year because every player in the NFL was a rookie at some point. And if you've been playing in a Dynasty League for three, four, five years, the guys who took all the superstars in this startup draft five years ago might be finding those players are starting to get a bit long in the tooth and maybe some of them are starting to leave the league or finding their roles are getting diminished because younger guys are coming in and starting to take up those volumes in those positions. So it does matter that these rookies come into the league because they're tomorrow's superstars and they're never cheaper than they are on the day that you can draft them. And how do you choose them? through that draft. The NFL does this every year too where the latest NCAA and sometimes foreign players are just ready to come and become professionals. And they all go into one big pool and pick by pick, teams get their choice at who they want to take from that pool. And that's the same as how it's mimicked in fantasy football and especially in Dynasty League football where it's the same thing. You're only drafting from the pool of new players. Now, my buddy Evan, he's going to be back to walk us through that. Quick disclaimer though, wide receivers, a lot like running backs in the last episode, rely on a lot of athletic prowess. Now, Evan's a sprint coach and he's going to put a lot of emphasis on this. So, I think it's really, really worthwhile listening into that because he does provide a whole dimension that a guy like me couldn't provide. 
Also, he's a Kiwi, and I mentioned this in the last episode, so I don't know how the Aussies in the audience are going to feel about this, taking advice from a Kiwi. Uh, no, but he's tremendous, and it's great to have him back for this show. So if you haven't caught part one, Tuesday's show, go and grab that. If getting into Dynasty League football is something that you think could be for you, go back right to the start of January and check out the two episodes with Mark and the two prior episodes with Evan, as well as the Tuesday episode on this one, because I think all packaged together, those six shows will really help you make that jump from season-long fantasy football into Dynasty League football. But I feel busted enough. Let's get going in here. Mr. Evan Flay, welcome him back to the show. Another guy who was being drafted like he died too was... Oh, T.Y. Hilton. He's a good receiver. <laughs> he actually doesn't look great. Whole career has been defined by boom. Barkley. Or bust. Yeah. Or hurt. And to see him bang out 26 points was extraordinarily satisfying. A huge F you to the vinegar stroke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We're into wide receivers. Man, take it away, brother. Tell me what I need to know. Give me the good stuff. All right. Bold take. Jamar Chase is not the best wide receiver in this class, and he might not even be the second best receiver in this class. Everyone has had that name, Jamar Chase, at the top of their list for a long, long, long time. And he, if you had forgotten, sat out this year. Yeah. Um, But let's think about why everyone had that name at the top of their list. Do you know whose quarterback was last year? Well, so if he sat out of the year, he would have had Joe Burrow on the year where he just threw everything. He just had the greatest season of a quarterback in college ever, ever, ever. Amen, right? Exactly. And arguably the greatest offense in college football history. Joe Burrow threw threw 60 touchdowns. And Jamar Chase had 84 catches for nearly 1,800 yards and 20 of those touchdowns. (laughs) 20 days. Yeah. The year before... Joe Burrow had, I want to say, like 16 touchdowns and a true freshman. I think it was a true freshman. Jamar Chase had 23 catches for 300-something yards and three touchdowns. All right. Okay. So So all I know is that Jamar Chase needs Joe Burrow and the best college quarterback season of all time and the best offense of all time. He needs to have Justin Jefferson – and Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, and Thaddeus Moss and wow. all, that, all those guys. And so, sure, he might be that same dude from, from 2019. Maybe. But do you really want to take a chance on that? Let's say, let's say you have, you're in a standard dynasty league and you have uh, acquired the top pick from a transaction 10 months ago. Right. So okay. let's say you, yeah, let's say you've, you have a championship caliber squad. You're, you're rolling out, you know, Chris Carson and Saquon and Christian McCaffrey at running back. Wow. So you don't need Najee Harris. You don't need Travis Etienne. You certainly don't need um, to take a quarterback. Not. So you have free reign to look at, oh, maybe I, maybe I need to improve at receiver. Yeah, um, let me get a 10-year receiver just to back this amazing lineup up. Exactly. Do you really want to use that pick, which you're probably not going to have for a long, long time, um, on someone who you haven't seen play since before the pandemic? Well, or yeah, when I saw him play, he had well, the perfect set of settings, right? He He really did. Or would you like to use it on someone who showed up this year in arguably the toughest conference in college football 
and just destroyed everyone. I mean, some of the things that this next guy that I'm going to talk about did reminded me of some of the highlight videos of Devin Hester uh, when he when he played for Miami and all those punt returns and and just oh my gosh. So I, obviously, I'm talking about Devonte Smith from Alabama, and yeah. I mean Heisman Trophy winner. He had to, yeah, he he had to have won the Bolitnikov. Um, there's so many awards named after so many people. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll have to check on that one. But so let's talk about why why you would want to use that use that that top receiver pick on someone like Devonte Smith versus the consensus number one for for the longest time, Jamar Chase. Um, I think I just explained why you'd want to do it. It's, what have you done for me lately? Okay, well, you've done nothing, Jamar. You've done literally as much as a receiver can possibly do for uh, Devontae Smith. The downside, in well, in some circles, at least, the big knock against Devontae Smith is his size. Right. Uh, right, right now, he's about... Like he's listed at six one one seventy four, which, you know, if we're being honest, is a bit skinny for the NFL. Now in Australian, that's one hundred eighty five centimeters and seventy nine kilos. Right, moving on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I know uh, that just baffles you, but all right, we're just getting it, it out there. <laughs> li- little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though, so I don't really have an excuse here because I'm half Kiwi. But I live in America. <laughs> but I coach a sport that relies on the metric system. But I can't do the conversions in my head. Yeah, no, it's uh, bad. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. I don't. When so, people talk pounds, I say I don't know how many dollars that is. You know what I mean? Like pounds. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> so, I'm no better. I'm no better. Uh, but so yeah, Devontae Smith right now six one one seventy five or so. He's going to put on weight when he gets into the NFL. 100%. There are so many. Yeah, I, I mean, he, listen, he's not gonna he's not gonna evolve into someone like DK Metcalf. No, no. But but I could easily see him being you know bumping up to one eighty five, one ninety. And if he went up to one eighty five, most people recognize the name Marvin Harrison, Peyton Manning's longtime receiver oh, yeah. in Indianapolis. Um, he was six feet tall and one hundred eighty five pounds. He was that kind of lanky guy. All right, so it's. It's easy to look at a number and go, "Oh my God, that that's skinny," especially yeah. if if uh, you know you look down and you're you're weighing yourself. And you're like, "Oh my God, he's oh okay," <laughs> but it's about you know h- how someone is built. Like, what is that 175? Hopefully, closer to 185 pounds. And he obviously had no issues going over the middle. You know, going airborne in college and making the tough contested catches. Right, yeah. And so I, I don't see how that changes much in the NFL, especially if he puts a little bit of weight on. But he has that he has that wicked, wicked speed. And I'll use that to segue into the next guy who could who could be ranked above Jamar Chase, which is what Devontae Smith's teammate, Jalen Waddle. Uh, you want to talk about game breaking speed. This dude ran a ten six eight in a hundred meters as a ninth grader. Yeah. yeah that's insane. I don't know. If, yeah. I, so, I mean, a lot of ninth graders, I mean, they could be 14 years old Yeah, and, and he's running faster than a lot of NFL players are right now today. But again, the big thing in everyone's mind is 
let's let's ask ourselves that question again. What have you done for me lately, yeah. Galen Waddle? Well, in October, you shattered your ankle. Then you then you came back into the nas- and get and returned in time for the national championship game. Got out there and then was seen limping around. And so it's very easy for people to fall into the trap of what's the last thing that I've seen. It's just him hurt, him hurt. Okay, his ankle is going to be fine. It's it takes a pretty significant injury to keep NFL teams away for good. He's still a first round pick. He's going to be fine. Don't worry about that. So again, I'm more confident right now saying Devontae Smith head and shoulders above Jamar Chase. Right. Not not quite as as confident. I don't want to be, you know, Captain Cockfur with everybody. <laughs> um, but Jalen Waddle, if he comes out in his pro day and lays down uh, a limp-free performance, that'll help. I think you know you could see some movement. Even if you're just looking at the stat line, because I think a few of us who you know see these top few at each position will get to know a little bit about. You hear about the injury, then you look at stats and and just see like 28 catches, four touchdowns. And they're just long catches, like 21 yard. I can see how, you know, maybe that might dampen people's expectations. Uh, But it's sort of nice to hear somebody saying, hey, you you don't have to just rely on that. We we can all remember before that and and we shouldn't be so worried about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, moving on, we're going to Rondale Moore. And this guy... This guy's going to be really interesting to watch because he's this shifty little fire plug of a guy. Uh, I shouldn't say fire plug. He's he's like he's like five foot eight, <laughs> um, but return specialist and kind of plug in place can can you know can line up at running back and H back in the slot out wide. You can do a little bit of everything. A Swiss Army knife. Exactly. Now there's ups and downs with this because his potential is going to be dependent on his landing spot. And so I honestly think that depending on where he goes, and I'll, I'll, I'll save my projections for another day, but I think he could be as good as like an Alvin Kamara light. Oh, okay. So I got like, you know, maybe like 75 to 80% of what you find with Alvin Kamara. But he could also be Tavon Austin. Yeah, I was going to say, there's going to be like where, a Dexter McCluster I mean, reference here or something in a minute, isn't there? Like just uh, that, that's, a, that's another great example, yeah. Because, you know, it's not as good of an example as Tavon Austin <laughs> because I don't know as much about Dexter McCluster as I do. But I do know exactly what you're saying where, you know, a college player who plays all over yeah, the place and has... Yeah, gadget guy. You, you know, who has... 900 return yards and 850 receiving yards and 700 rushing yards and and uh, then gets to the league and kind of like a bit just player. has an incompetent coach yeah and just yeah. doesn't get utilized exactly and, uh, Austin probably had more so. career than McCluster and this is where I kind of thought ah this is the guy I'm going to bring up for this because <clears> as little as I know about college football I could see that guy was pretty shifty and pretty nifty and fast and he just yeah kind of had some vision and. He, and then he makes it to the league and he goes to yeah. four teams that all pretty much just use him as a returner and, and barely trot him out for anything. And I'm like, ugh, ugh that's yeah. not fair. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So keep an eye on where some of the openings are, where he's projected to go, like in what round, and then what holes may open up in terms of different teams that might be looking for one of those athletes. The last player... Right. 
is uh, is arguably one of the most interesting ones. It's Amon Ray St. Brown from USC. And some of you may know his brother, Equinemius St. Brown, yeah. for the Packers. Uh, he also has a, a, a younger brother, Osiris, who's – I believe he's a receiver as well at Stanford. So, um, Absolutely. you know, the pedigree is there. Yeah, great receiver pedigree. Um, and he has the build for it. Uh, I think he's right around like 6'1", 180, 190, something like that. But it's another one of those players who had to deal kind of like with the, the Trey Sermon right. effect where he had – a super short season in at USC in, in, in the Pac-12. I don't think their first game started until you know, like the last week in October. And on top of that, I believe that they had their preseason activities restricted to a crazy degree. I could be wrong there because I know that it happened to the University of Colorado. Oh, well, um, but I believe I know like the University of Colorado hired a new coach in the spring and they they didn't practice until I think a week before their first game. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh, yeah. So all of that practice, St. Brown did not get, I'm assuming. And then his his quarterback, listen, I'm not, he wasn't terrible, but this was, the Pac-12 is not good. You should, even in, in, a handful of games, you should still be lighting it up. But his quarterback was essentially like a sponge cake with no flavor. Wow. Like, yeah, just, just meh. And so wherever he goes, the key to his, to St. Brown's potential is going to be landing at a spot with a competent quarterback. Now I'm not, I'm not saying he needs Patrick Mahomes or he needs Aaron Rodgers. No, but just not a Jared Goff not Sam Darnold or anything like that. So a competent quarterback situation, but also a situation where he won't be relied on as some kind of savior right okay. off the bat yeah. where he can get time to grow. Yeah, w- exactly. Because if he's in a situation where he cannot make a mistake, uh, that, that's setting you up yeah. for failure. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see where, where he ends up because I mean, it, he could be one of those sneaky guys who, you, you you look back in three years and go, whoa, okay, well, we <laughs> yeah, were wrong. Totally. So, Those yeah, and then, um, the where we go, ah, we probably just undervalued that guy. Ah, oh, look at him go. Exactly. The last position, this is going to be super quick, oh, is by it? the way. Um, esp- uh, uh, yeah, especially for fantasy. It's the tight ends. Oh, my buddy Taylor, when I he comes say up, he always says, oh, loose ends. Yeah. This position leaves my end feeling less than tight. <laughs> Ooh. I think it's hilarious. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. There's just a little to talk um, about, you know, and most of them are garbage. So <laughs> there is. I wouldn't use the word little, though, when you're talking about this position this year because the one player that – so everyone typically considers Trevor Lawrence to be the, the top, the best at, at any position – and the rarest prospect in yeah, recent Yeah, there's memory. a lot of – this is the uh, most slammed-up decision since Andrew Luck kind of talk, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As far as this year's draft class, I would say the second most rare player is probably Kyle Pitts from Florida. Oh, yeah. End. Yeah. So he's 6'6 and 240. Oh. So he's essentially in a uh, – you know, compare that to Megatron. Uh, so Kyle Pitts, 6'6, Megatron, 6'5. 
Kyle Pitts, 240 pounds. Megatron, 237. Okay. Now, that's all the comparing I'm going okay. to do between those two. So I'm not These saying, you can't teach. well, if you're this tall and this big, yeah, exactly. And what that means, though, is that he's essentially a gigantic wide receiver playing the tight end position. And that's going to change, you know, if you have someone like uh, Zach yeah. Ertz, phen- phenomenal tight end, at least a couple of years ago, but he's not going to jump over people and make spectacular catches. He's not, his route tree is going to be limited a little bit because of his size and his physical capabilities. Whereas Kyle Pitts, he's going to have all of the high pointing ability. He's going to have the entire route tree open to him. If he wants to split out wide into the slot or go right down the seam. So, I mean, he's right now, he's probably looking at being drafted somewhere in the wow. teams. Well, in in, like in the real OJ Howard is, um, in terms of just hype for the tight end, right? Well, because I mean that guy was hyped as hell, little hyped bit. As hell. But I mean, this yeah. guy, you know what's filthy about this guy? This makes me feel so sad. He's born in October of the year two thousand. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, no, don't 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 get me started on that. Horrifying. Two years ago, I coached my last athlete who was born That's in the nineties. So I will never coach another athlete <laughs> born in the nineties and. That's just the worst thing ever. I will um, change that. I will sign up to your coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. Um, but yeah, so chances are <laughs> if you take a tight end in the real draft, in the teens, you're not a terrible team. Oh, if that's what you're right? need. Because you're, you don't have a – yeah, good, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, look for someone like um, – well, I suppose the Cowboys pick a little bit early. I mean, the Cowboys could – could easily pick Kyle Pitts. They need like what do they need? Uh, they got their running back, got their well, quarterback, got their, a yeah, lot. They've got a Cooper. Got well, do, they, do they have their running their running back yeah. though? Mm. I mean, they're paying um, the guy. But but yeah, I mean, I mean, I haven't looked at looked at their tight end depth chart. But is Jeff Swain still there? Is Dalton Schultz and um, oh, I'm bl- I'm blanking on his name, and he's 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 on my team. Like Jarwin. Uh, uh, yeah, like yeah. Jarwin. Yeah, none of the none of these names scream. Oh yeah, problem solved. Right? If you with a healthy Dak Prescott, if you give him Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, Zeke, Kyle Pitts. Oh, I mean, I can stop right there. If they figure out their defense and you know bolster the yeah. offensive line a little bit, I mean, maybe, maybe that decision's already made in. Their front office, so you never know. But yeah, aside from Kyle Pitts, um, is there a number two? Because I mean, this guy's not one at tight end by a long way, right? Yeah, by a pretty considerable margin. Um, and and I can see Kyle Pitts going as early as, depending on need, as early as three or four, but likely in between like six and nine in in yep. in fantasy drafts. Um, obviously, if you are in a tight end premium league where tight end statistics like receptions, bump, right? maybe a yeah, they, they, get, they get a little bit more something for instance. Um, yeah. I mean, you might see Kyle Pitts go second. You never know. There's a pretty substantial gap between Kyle Pitts and the guy whose name I, we will never try to pronounce Pat Fryer. I mean, he's built similar. I mean, if you Google his name, you're just going to get like, 
oh, uh, Penn State tight end drawing comparisons to Rob Gronkowski. Like, well, okay, didn't we just talk about that? He's this tall and this big. If that's all it takes to, you know, compare yourself to people, then I compare oh, myself to yeah. Devontae <laughs> well, Smith. Hang on. This guy's wearing number 87 um, as well, Evan. Let's not discount that. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. But um, the only thing I will say, and I this is this is the most rinky-dink. This is not okay, a it's nugget. An un-nugget. Right? This is just something to <laughs> – so here's the thing. Can you, off the top right. of your head, we've all heard of schools – who declared themselves DBU or linebacker U or quarterback U or wide receiver U. Do you know what school might have a claim to tight end you in recent oh, memory? God, maybe Florida. I don't know. I'll give you a hint. Their colors are black and yellow. Black and yellow? Mm-hmm. Like a bumblebee. Okay, so the most prominent black and... <laughs> the yeah, Iowa the Hawkeyes. The yellow schools, Iowa. Now, we actually had a guy in our team, the Astros, who... Uh, he got uh, he got a scholarship over there to be like the fourth punter for the Hawkeyes. So you know, a little connection for the Astros. <laughs> yeah, a fellow named okay. John Collins. So about ten seasons ago. So there you go. Little there we, you we've, go. they're our, um, our unofficial yeah. uh, Astros fantasy uh, Astros college team because because of, of Johnny Mullings. <laughs> there you go. So like I said, everyone else is going to have to do the research. I'm not willing to look <laughs> into it. But all I know is in recent memory. They've had, what, uh, yeah. Tony Moyaki, CJ Fedorowicz, George Kittle, Noah Fant, yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Like, that was kind of mental. Okay. Do some research. This is Iowa Hawkeyes tight ends. And, you know, if you have a you have a fourth-round pick, because obviously none are on the level of Kittle or Fant or Hawkinson. But can they? if they're receiving the same coaching they did, you never know. So if you have a – if your team is set and you you have the seventh pick in the fourth round, why if not? You still got big needs at the seventh you know, you pick in the fourth worse. round. You've got other problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could do a lot worse. You could pick the the fourth string puncher <laughs> yeah, for the Hawkeyes. Right. <laughs> Your famous number fifteen, so, Johnny Mullings. Yeah. But that's <laughs> write that down. Yeah, that's all I got today. Oh, right in the next time too. Man. I'm I'm just so glad that uh, you've taken the time to to work with us on this because I think the first steps around. Hey, you know, well, identifying players is part of the the process for the offseason for anyone who's pretty serious about turning their dynasty team into something. And for those who don't play a lot of dynasty or, or are brand, brand new to it, and this might be their first offseason, I mean, it's it's a nervy game. It's a nervy game because yeah. we're all now looking at people who've never played. That I've played as many snaps in the NFL as all of these people have just mentioned. And that's a nervy thing to have to decide from if you're trying to well, that's build a, crime. A, a contending team in a league like that, right? So it's, it's a nervy thing. And it just, it's yeah. great to get a bit of light shed on it and, and to now feel like we've probably got a little bit, of, a couple of tools to go into a draft with and feel, okay, I've got a, a way to separate some people out. I know some names. I know a bit about them. It's a really helpful thing. Thanks so yeah. much. You betcha. Now, are we going to get you back for that uh, Evan Vetches about college football uh, podcast or, or should we get you back for something a bit more constructive? Oh, oh, no. We can we can unleash hell. We, we can make you know what I think I'd really sure. like to do is get you on with my buddy Mark at the same time later in the, uh, the preseason for Dynasty as uh, actual Dynasty drafts are approaching because I play in a lot of Dynasty leagues with Mark and he would be the first person I'd suggest to join our Dynasty league that we're in together if there was ever a... Uh, vacancy there but but the problem is he's also aussie so you know then all of a sudden you're, you're inviting more evil yeah i was just gonna say I, I mean if you can get someone with a kiwi accent with a proper accent <laughs> we'll uh we'll have much better <laughs> luck yeah. Man, i've heard the way some words are uh, pronounced over there and i'm not okay with it so <laughs> uh-huh <Push. laughs> wait 
we owe you a great debt of gratitude for your time because now, uh, man, we, we've covered so much ground. But thank you so much for, for coming in. And if you're happy, I don't want you to be a stranger to the show. I'd love to get you back again soon. Oh, of course. Of course. I have to bring a little bit of civility to your penal colony of a <laughs> podcasting country. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not sure you'd be top of the list to be doing that. But, but yes, of course. <laughs> no. no. I'm Kiwi first and American second. Well, fair enough, then. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck this season, and I hope you come second. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Have a good one, Matt. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Us Aussie folk can say some odd things. Perhaps a crash course in our language is best attempted in moderation. Mate. That's gold. Something that's brilliant. To be really impressed by something. Derek Henry just threw some chump through a brick wall. Fuck me, that's gold. Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I would have run Jeremy's size boner going for him there. <laughs> Your in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. Wes is going to have to realise that he's just playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor nailed, I've got to say. Gee, that's a wrap, and that's been fantastic because I think the fantasy football community really gets smarter when people like this come onto platforms like this and they share their knowledge. The fantasy football community really is kind of unique like this too. I haven't seen this in a lot of other places, but this show has done the same thing for the little league that we all play in the Astros. We have found that the more stories that people share, the more strategy that people share, the more ideas that get flung around, it makes the league smarter and then it makes it more competitive. And we found this year in our little league, no team had more than nine wins which meant they also lost at least four times. And no team had less than four wins, which means they only lost nine times. So in a five-win band, 16 different teams all crunched into that little five-win band. So it was a very competitive season. And I think that the more we share stories and the more information we share about how to be competitive and how to take good strategy in and try things, pull levers, just see what's going to work for you, the more fun it is too. The whole idea about fantasy football is that it is supposed to be fun. This has been two great shows with Evan too, and I've really got to thank him for the time he's given me because overall, I think we're going to have ended up publishing something toward two and a half hours of time with Evan, and it is wonderful that he has taken his time living in such a weird time zone to hook up with me to talk about these things and for us to be able to share them with the greater community of fantasy football listeners that we've got here on the show. It really has been fantastic to take in things that people have asked about, go and find great sources of information, and then share the stories. We've got some of that coming up too because I know I've mentioned this in the past, but we've got a great mini-series coming up for people who have just stumbled into our show who haven't been really into their fantasy football before or maybe they're just new to the NFL. I think that fantasy football is such a great way for somebody who's new to watching NFL football to get familiar with teams and players. I also think for somebody who's a bit of an NFL fan already and has just been following their team for X amount of years, it's a great way to expand your knowledge and get in touch with more people who love football in different ways. And it helps you get smarter about what happens on the field. It gives you situational awareness in a completely different way. And I think that there's nearly nobody who couldn't benefit from coming to fantasy football and giving it a go. If you haven't done this before too, I would urge everybody to try and find somebody who's never played fantasy football before if you're an established player and try and introduce them to it. This mini-series of shows is going to be a great way to be able to introduce them to it without you having to do all the heavy lifting as well because I'm going to go into depth on what is it, how do you set up a team, what's the strategy you take into picking that team and even then once we get that team picked, how do you navigate a season. So all these things are going to come in a four-part series that I'm really looking forward to presenting through March and I can't wait. It's just going to be terrific. 
please don't forget to join us as well for next week's shows. I've got Taylor coming back in the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be really great. We're going to talk a lot about free agency in future shows, but for the very first show back next week, we're going to have him on to talk about his fantasy dream team. I had Sizzle and Quinny when they came on with me through the middle of January talking about their fantasy dream teams and also had Coach Ryan after he'd been talking with us a couple of shows about college football, differences between college and the NFL. I had him talk about his all-time college dream team of fantasy football players. So, we're going to do the same with Taylor and I think we might have to turn it into a drinking game every time he mentions a Titan because he's all sick on love for his Tennessee Titans. But come and join me on Tuesday for that show next week and then we'll have Seahorse back on Friday. Matty C is my name, the host of this show and I'm going to get out of here. Find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Astro League Pod. I'll catch you next week. Hooroo. Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C. Yes.